It's time for the most interactive radio program in Las Vegas today. It's time for Pushing the Limits with Brian Shapiro. Brian will talk sports, politics, entertainment, and anything that matters to you. Feel free to call Brian at 702-221-7283. You want answers? I want the truth! Now Pushing the Limits, here's Brian Shapiro. What's up, everybody? It's time to push the limits. What's going on? It's Shapiro at you on a Friday. So glad you could join us on KSHP. You know, sometimes I lie to you guys and I say, you've got a big show lined up today. Sometimes I'm very dishonest. I'm partially kidding, by the way. We actually do have a big show today. I'm telling the truth today. I'm being honest with you for a change. This is going to be a lot of fun, man. One of my favorite uh, comedians, actor extraordinaire. He's been in some, some really funny, some great movies, too. And he's performing in Vegas tonight and tomorrow. The very funny and talented T.J. Miller will be joining me in studio. How cool is that? He's going to be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. I love a little T.J. Miller. He's great. One of my favorite shows he was in, too, Silicon Valley. I don't know if anyone's ever watched that one. I'm going to have to ask him about that because uh, he left the show. So TJ's going to be joining us here in a little bit. Coming up here in about, ooh, 10 minutes or so, one of Tiger Woods' childhood friends, the guy was a family friend for decades, his name is Joe Groman, played golf with Tiger Woods almost every day when Tiger was a child. I'm going to ask Joe Groman what he thinks of what Tiger's been able I know he struck Tiger struggling a little bit today, which I actually thought would probably happen because of the weather. But just the fact that Tiger's out there competing in the Masters, got to get uh, a perspective from somebody that knows Tiger very, very well. And Joe Groman, uh, you know, basically grew up with Tiger and his family. So we'll be talking to him coming up uh, in just a few minutes here. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And I'll give you an update on the Masters, the leaderboard, all that stuff. I will uh, let you know about that uh, coming up here in just a few. Also, it doesn't end there. Coming up in hour number two, as we know, the Major League Baseball season has started. And right in our backyard, we've got the Las Vegas Aviators at the beautiful Las Vegas Ballpark. God, I love going to Aviator games. They're so much fun. Jim Gemma and the entire crew there uh, just do a wonderful job. It's a beautiful, beautiful ballpark. I recommend anybody go check it out if you haven't. So we got Don Logan coming on the program, hour number two. Of course, he is the president and chief operating officer of the Aviators. Talk a little baseball with him. So that's going to be a lot of fun as well. So as I said, we're jam-packed today. we got a lot going on, a lot to get to. Uh, i got to get to a little bit of what, it, what certainly is the biggest political story of the last 48 hours. And, of course, I'm talking about uh, Supreme Court nominee Judge Jackson, who will be a Supreme Court judge. And that's a good thing. Listen, I think it's wonderful. We need more women as Supreme Court judges. We certainly need more women that are black and, and uh, uh, not just white people up there. Uh, I'm not trying to be racist, but I'm being honest. And the fact that she is black, I think that is a wonderful thing, and it's good for the country, right? I think for the most part, everybody would agree with that statement. Unless you're a racist Klan member, you probably would agree that having people of color uh, in powerful positions in this country is a good thing, not a bad thing. You want diversity, right? Follow me so far. It shouldn't matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. Well, guess what? Somebody who I think is an utter piece of garbage is South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott. Now, Tim Scott is black, and for whatever reason, Tim Scott decided to vote against Judge Jackson. That's right. He voted no on the confirmation. 
Scott did acknowledge that Jackson's nomination reinforces the progress our country has made, but that ideology must be a determining factor and not identity. Well, what ideology is that, I wonder? I wonder. What ideology is that that he would be talking about? He is getting blasted on social media, by the way. Uh, Somebody who's, by the way, running against Tim Scott is Catherine Bruce. Uh, She said, I'm a Democrat running against Tim Scott to represent South Carolina in the United States Senate. Let his no to Jackson uh, inspire you to donate to my campaign. Uh, He also went on to say, uh, Tim Scott is an utter disgrace. South Carolina, do better and vote for Catherine Fleming Bruce. Uh, Another person uh, wrote on social media, black voters make up close to 30 percent of the electorate in South Carolina. I wonder if they're going to take kindly to Senator Tim Scott and Senator Lindsey Graham downvoting the first African-American female Supreme Court justice. You know, it's interesting because they all voted in Tim Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh, excuse me. They all voted him in immediately. A guy who, you know, for most most of which talked about beer and the alleged sexual assault that took place. Don't know if it did or it didn't. But Brett Kavanaugh who, uh, you know, against uh, abortion, uh, doesn't really support Black Lives Matter. Tim Scott voted him in. No problem. But when it comes to this incredible woman with an incredible record, oh, no, I got to stand with my party on this one. Somebody else on social media wrote it, quote, Hi, my name is Tim Scott, and I just voted no for the first ever black female justice of the United States. A guy by the name of Gary Chambers on social media writes, There are three black men in the U.S. Senate. One of them, Tim Scott, voted no on confirming Judge Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. There's always one of us who thinks they know better than the rest of us black folks. His no vote is a disgrace. I agree with you, Gary. Someone else writes, Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina, don't keep screaming about how you are for the advancement of black people when you just voted no. Agree with that 150%. And last uh, but not least, I'll, I'll read you one more. This historic confirmation of Judge Brown, uh, uh, Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court is passed 53-46. My question is, what's, uh, what, what's Senator Tim Scott doing? He didn't vote for a qualified black woman, and he didn't vote for the voter rights bill one day. Yeah, because Tim Scott is a disgrace, that's why. He's an absolute disgrace. And there's other people like, well, speaking of disgrace, the definition of disgrace would be Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz, who obviously voted no, he said that Jackson's prejudicial career as a public defender indicates that she has a natural inclination in the direction of the criminal because a public defender's heart is with the murderers, the criminals, which, by the way, is completely 100% not true. Not true at all. And Cruz... Uh, was even topped by Senator Tom Cotton, and I, and I played this audio for you the other day. He said that Jackson might have wanted to defend the Nazi leaders in Nuremberg for war crimes following World War II. I mean, these Republicans are so despicable. They're so despicable. And again, not every Republican is, but these who I just named are despicable human beings. This woman has a clean record. She is extremely intelligent, and she will be a fantastic Supreme Court judge. There's no question about that in my mind. And you want to ask her what's her definition of a woman? Like that has anything to do with her job? It's ridiculous. And these Republicans should be ashamed of themselves, these, these, these people that voted no. This woman has a clearer record than anybody on the Supreme Court. And by the way, Tim Scott will be the same person that would you know, keep Clarence Thomas up there, 
even though his wife compromised everything. But Tim Scott would be the guy that would continue to support Clarence Thomas, and he'd talk about how the fact that Clarence Thomas is black. But when it comes to this woman, oh no. Because if you're black and you don't want an investigation into the January 6th uh, insurrection, Tim Scott will vote for you. But if you're a woman with a clean record who votes fairly and happens to be black but is not a Republican, Tim Scott cares more about staying in power. Tim Scott cares more about being a Republican than he does about black people. That is just a fact. That is not fiction. That is a fact. Look at his voting record. It's okay to disagree on certain issues, but what issues does he have with Jackson? What radical... Jackson's not a radical lefty. What issues does he have with her other than the fact that she's not a Republican and that some of his Republican colleagues who are disgraceful have also voted no? Tim Scott is no better than Ted Cruz. Tim Scott has wore and continues to wear the Donald Trump knee pads. He's been wearing them for five years. That's right. The same guy who defended the Confederate flag is a black man named Tim Scott who supports that person. Tim Scott is a fool, and he has done nothing for the black community. Nothing! And he is a disgrace. He is absolutely disgraceful. I'm sorry, did somebody in the studio just bang their knee? I'm trying not to laugh here. I'm I'm trying to talk about serious issues here, and somebody just banged their knee. You deserve it. Anyway, uh, going back to what, what I was saying, these are serious issues here. I can't speak seriously when people are laughing in the, in the uh, you know, T.J. Miller is not here yet. That's the time when we can laugh. I'm talking about a Supreme Court nominee who now is going to be a Supreme Court judge, in all, in all seriousness, Jackson. And I think this is a great thing. Yes, I named you some of the disgraceful people out there uh, that voted no on her, and there are ridiculous reasons for it. They are despicable. And we will remember. And the black community will remember. But mark my words, this woman's going to be a fantastic Supreme Court judge. And it doesn't have anything to do with the color of her skin. I think it's a good thing that we have more people that are black that are Supreme Court judges. And, 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 and you know, in politics in general, I think that's a good thing to have diversity. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal person. A very intelligent person. And yet Republicans want to attack her, the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world, the racists of the world like Boebert. They want to attack her and say that she's soft on on crime and porn. But what Republicans either don't know or ignorant to, or they do know and they just don't want you to know, is that Brett Kavanaugh and many of those that are on the Supreme Court right now have very similar voting records and have very similar records in general when it comes to pornography. And Jackson is no different. No difference at all. But yet they want to attack her. And yes, you can make the argument the Democrats on the other side bring up things and and try to score political points uh, as well when it comes to Supreme Court nominees. There's no question about that. But this is utterly disgusting. Now listen, I was never a Brett Kavanaugh guy. I don't want to vote for somebody. And, And listen... Whether he committed a sexual assault or not, I don't want a guy that just brags about beer and how he partied in college. I don't want to vote for a guy that doesn't want to uh, you know, give women the rights to do what they want with their body. So I wouldn't vote for him for those reasons. But if you want to talk about character, who has more character? Brett Kavanaugh or Jackson? Because if we're talking about character, it's, this is not even an issue. So again, I say it again, I'm happy that we have a little bit more diversity. Because in this country, 
Diversity should be a good thing, not a bad thing. I could be talking about in the workplace. I could be talking about politicians. Whatever the case may be, diversity is a good thing. And if you do not think diversity is a good thing, then chances are you're probably afraid if you're white that one day on this planet you're not going to be the majority. Call those people racists. Anybody who doesn't think diversity is good. Because diversity is good. It always has been good. And it will continue to be good as this country moves forward. Having a vice president who is black is a good thing. Now, I don't like Kamala Harris. It has nothing to do with the color of her skin. I don't think she's doing a good job. I liked Barack Obama. I thought he was a decent president. He didn't embarrass the country. And that had nothing to do with the color of his skin. Smart guy. Good president. Well-spoken. I have my criticisms of him. No question. But having someone, the president of the United States, who is black, was a very historic day. And having somebody who is the vice president is historic. And Jackson, as a Supreme Court justice, as a woman who is black, is historic, and it's a good thing. And people like Tim Scott, especially Tim Scott because he is black, and others like Ted Cruz and Lindsey Graham are disgraceful. And they'd probably vote for David Duke before they would vote for Jackson, and that's, that's what makes this really sad. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk a little sports. Uh, of course, if, you, if you're living under a rock and you're unaware, the biggest golf tournament in the world, the Masters. But what has made this even a bigger story than just golf is Tiger Woods, a guy who almost lost his leg just over a year ago. And now he's competing on the PGA Tour again, and he's doing more than just competing. Uh, he might make the cut. He's struggling a little bit today, but it really is an incredible story. And the guy we're going to have up next, his name is Joe Groman. He grew up with the Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods' entire family. Played golf with Tiger Woods on a daily basis when Tiger was a kid. This guy knows Tiger Woods just as well as anybody. Uh, Joe Groman will be joining us next, talk a little bit about this. And is he even surprised at what Tiger has been able to accomplish? So we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back right after this. You are listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the limits on a Friday. Now, listen, the Masters is always an event that even people who are not golf aficionados watch because it's the biggest golf tournament of the year. But this year makes it even more special because Tiger Woods, who almost lost his leg a year ago, uh, is, you know, right now competing at the Masters. Had a heck of a round yesterday, really struggling today. I believe he's four over through six or seven holes. Uh, but it's just incredible that he's even competing. And the guy we have with us on the line right now, I said to myself, who could I get on the line uh, who's known Tiger for a very, very long time? So Joe Groman, uh, very close friend to the family for decades, uh, played a lot of golf with Tiger and Tiger's late father uh, when Tiger was a kid. So I wanted to get his thoughts on what's going on here at Augusta National. And Joe Groman joins us right now on the line. Uh, Joe, I appreciate you coming on. How are you? Hey, Brian. How you doing, man? Hello, Las Vegas. Doing good. <laughs> a little nervous right now, man. A little nervous right now. Can't yeah, yeah. I, I, I can understand why you're saying that. Tiger's struggling a little bit out there. Uh, before we get to the round today, because you teach golf, you're, actually, you're, you're an accomplished player yourself, um, are, you, are you amazed as I am? And I know we could never count Tiger out with anything, but the guy, let's just call it what it is, the guy almost lost his leg over a year ago. And now he's playing golf at an extremely high level on the biggest stage. I mean, should I be surprised or should I just expect this from him? What's your thoughts on this? 
Well, because of the the injury and his, and his comeback from it, you should not be surprised. But uh, to have come back from the injury he had, I mean, there was like question whether he's going to keep the leg or not. So this is absolutely incredible to play this good because he's back. Not so much, you know. Yeah. Uh, we were there. I was at Augusta Monday and Tuesday, and I was down there watching him on the by the sand trap and the chipping green and chipping green. He was with Justin Thomas at the time, and he was. He was knocking it inside Justin on a lot of shots. So for his short game to be that good, yeah, you know, if he can just find the fairways and hit some of these greens, he had a tough time hitting greens yesterday. He got up and down like nine times. I mean, we got to hit some more greens. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's no surprise there as far as the ability, the fact that he can play. I mean, yeah. it's just the surprise is that he's even playing. You know, yeah, it's, after it's almost losing the leg. It's incredible. You know, Joe, I said when he was out there last week, a week and a half ago, I said Tiger's going to play because I don't. He was serious because I said if he's he's not going to go all the way out there unless something catastrophic happens. He he probably has been preparing for this for months and months, right? No, absolutely. You could tell because of the short game. I mean, you could see yesterday when he played, uh, you know, he's obviously not able to get the hips through real good. He's kind of doing the Mo Norman arm swing a little bit, a little slash and burn type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he's gotten a little wild. If you, if you swing quick with that type of swing, you're going to be pulling it a lot and pushing it. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's just phenomenal to see him out there. Short game's looking so good. You know, he's not putting bad. He left a few short. A lot of the guys did yesterday. But, man, if this guy can find some greens, we're going to – we're gonna have to pray for some birdies on the back. It looks like. Yeah, because I what what's the cut? The cut's plus three right now, and if I'm not mistaken, what is, where's he at right now? He's at plus three right now. Yeah. So he's right there. So he there's no margin for error, and obviously this would be such. It already is an incredible story, but it'd even be that much better if he could, in fact, make the cut. Do you think that Tiger Woods? After the Masters, do you see him actually playing in more tournaments like the Open and, and just regular events? Or do you think for him it's probably just going to be the majors because he doesn't want to put his body through this anymore? Well, if he can get back, he'll he'll probably get back into it, you know. I mean, his life has changed. He's got his kid now. You know, he's more involved in that stuff. But you remember when Jack, around the same age, Jack started just playing the bigs, right? He, right. he started only playing about, I think the minimum number you can play a year is 15. And he was like prepared just for the maze. He just wanted majors. I think Tiger's probably in that same thing right now, where Gosh. he's just going to be uh, really yeah. focused on the majors and the big events and mm-hmm. the World Golf Championships and stuff like that. So, Joe, I, I know that you know you played golf with Tiger and his dad many a times when he was a kid and a teenager. Uh, I know you guys had a little bit of a falling out, and we've talked about that. Were you able to even say anything to him? Did he see you at Augusta National this week at all? You know, I didn't. I was standing ten feet away from him. You know, when he was chipping and stuff. And, and it's not really the time or place to do stuff. There's not, people aren't in the crowd when they're on the practice facility going, hey, Tiger, hey, Tiger. I don't even think Augusta would even let you do that. Right. So, I mean, I could have easily said, hey, champ, you know, he still answers to that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it just wasn't the time or place. I'm actually moving to South Florida, be a mile away from Medalist. Oh, wow. And at the end of the month, so I'm looking forward. I'm going to go ring his doorbell, you know, and uh, see if he wants to chat. So we'll see what happens there. So, the reason why, I don't even know if to call it a fallout. Obviously, you were a very close friend with Tiger and his dad and his entire family. I would imagine the years have passed and everything has passed. It appears to me that Tiger is a little bit of a different guy. And I actually think he probably will have conversations with you. How do you think that's going to go? It'll be interesting. You know, that Tiger documentary, I was in that. You know, HBO interviewed me for nine hours. They gave him all the awesome stories. And, of course, they only used the five minutes of the dirt, which was really disappointing for me. Right. Uh, kind of painted Earl in a bad light. 
you know, I've been doing like with you. I talked to you. You were, you were nice enough to let me come on and talk to you and try sure. to undo that damage because it wasn't about, you know, Earl was the greatest dad ever, and they, and they didn't make that point in the documentary. You don't raise a tiger being a schmo, you know? Right. And, right. Uh, you know, that was kind of lost. So, I mean, you know, I just won the National PGA Patriot Award. I'm doing a lot of great stuff. Wow. And, you know, hopefully I can get on the, uh, on a, you know, I'm not going to approach him unless it's a win-win, you know? Right. So, Hopefully yeah. we can continue doing all the work we do with the with with the disabled golf world and yeah, all that I, he stuff. has to he has to appreciate that and and I I do I hope that works out between you guys because obviously you're a close friend obviously you still care about him and I, and I'm sure he will understand that I wanted to ask you about this the father son relationship that Tiger seems to have with his son you know Tiger said publicly he's not going to force his son to do anything if his son wants to pursue golf great if not that's okay. It seems to me the opposite of, of, of his father, of Tiger's father. Uh, it doesn't seem like Tiger wants to put anywhere near that type of pressure on his son. Is, is that a fair statement to make? Can you expand on that? No, 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 not at all, not at all. Because I, I remember I asked Earl, when Tiger was 14 one time, so I'd known him about a year now. Tiger was at the course every single day. There are weekends, sun up to sundown. He didn't have any friends, you know. And then, you know, I, I thought I was worried about burnout, so I asked Earl kind of pointedly i go hey what what would you do if tiger wanted to quit golf and earl said as long as he's a productive member of society i'm going to support him in anything he does he goes if he wants to be a postman i'm going to support him as far as the golf's concerned yeah i'm just here to to provide the foundation for success it's Mm -hmm. up to him to do the work Mm -hmm. and you know earl would be on the range tiger would be on the course tiger would be on the range earl be on the course. i mean he just left him alone at the course he wasn't in his dome that's what people don't really understand he just provided access, you know? Right. And if Tiger had a question, he'd go after Earl about it, but he was never grinding on him. And, and that's a misconception that a lot of people have. It, you know, it, he was like... It, it seems to me, Joe, know. the one thing that really if people talk about Tiger's father... The one negative thing that always comes up, and I think you can understand this because you kind of saw it firsthand, uh, was the cheating. Uh, you know, the, the the cheating, the women, the womanizing. Uh, other than that, you know, listen, Tiger's father raised a heck of a golfer. Uh, Tiger Woods has certainly has his flaws, like we all do. At times, I think he's extremely selfish, and obviously, he was not a very good husband. But do, do, what do you have to say about that to kind of put this to bed? Because I think most people have, and uh, I can't imagine anyone out there not rooting for tiger this week what do you have to say about that to kind of put that stuff to bed i mean that's it you know that was in the documentary i kind of came clean because tiger you know saw me you know bringing skirts around the course all the time and introducing them to him and you know i was unhappily married at the time so he saw me doing the exact same thing earl was he would see him do that stuff and it was just a different planet and a different world back then and it was what it was, but when, when the issues came out, it was like the only chink in Tiger's armor. I mean, we nurtured this kid so good on all the other aspects. His only chink was, was how was his view of marriage and, and, and respecting your wife and respecting your marriage. We did not, we both, not just Earl, but me too, and I had the most access to Tiger than anybody else back then. We didn't, get, we didn't provide a very good example at all. So when it came out that he had taken that path, um, you know, it was really disappointing. I assure you, Tiger's the kind of guy that he learns from other people's mistakes. So if he had seen me respecting my wife and my marriage, he goes, you know what, that looks good. That's the responsible. That's what I want to do. That's how sure. I want to be. He didn't see that. Right. You know, it was like the only little chink in his armor. And then when it got exploited, man, 
yeah, I felt terribly guilty at the time. Yeah. But it wasn't like crazy. You know, it was it was a lot less than people might think. Right. Yes, it happened, but it wasn't like an, an everyday thing. It wasn't an every month thing. It was a once in a while thing. Sure. But it wasn't a good look, you know? Right. It was a really ugly look. Understandable. Uh, being around Tiger as much as you have, uh, do you think that he has changed? Absolutely. Yeah. You know, when you have children, do you have children, Brian? Uh, I do not. Not that I know of, <laughs> Joe. <laughs> not that I know Vegas, of. Right? <laughs> That's right. I do not. Nope. <laughs> uh, watch out for those DNA tests, man. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, he's absolutely changed. You know, it, if you watch the documentary, you know, uh, his caddy, his caddy, uh, his longtime caddy, he kind of pulled the same move. When Tiger, when Tiger, uh, Turned, signed with Nike and made all that money. Like the next day, you know, he moved. I told you that story. He moved away, and they didn't. I was over there the night before. Nobody said, "Hey, Tiger's moving in the morning. Say goodbye." Right. Nobody said nothing. And so I, you know, now it's kind of it. Mm-hmm. And so to see he did the same thing to his caddy, you know, it's just it, it's hard to explain. You know, when someone is this famous and this popular, do they owe people around them an audience? I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. It doesn't make it hurt any less. Right. You know, they've just grown and moved on. But now, you know, you see a much lighter tiger. You see talk, he's interacting with people, he's smiling, he's bringing his kid to the to the tournament. You know, it, it just, it, he's, I'm looking at a dad now, you know what I mean? Totally Which is changed. cool, and I, and, I like, and I appreciate that about him, and I hope he has changed, and I, I certainly take your word for that. I, I, I believe he certainly has. If you're just joining us, we're speaking with Joe Groman, longtime friend, to Tiger Woods, his father, the entire family. And, in fact, Joe was over there at Augusta National. But what is it like? I've never been to Augusta National before. I've always wanted to go there. I know you were there for the practice rounds. What is it like just walking those grounds at Augusta National? It's got to be quite an experience. When you first go in there, man, it blows your mind. All the grass is the same color, the same length, the same thickness. The blades are – it looks fake. It looks like AstroTurf. It's so perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have 3,000 volunteers taking up every single stitch of trash. It's just completely immaculate. You can't believe it. If you could get there, I highly recommend it. It's worth it. It'll totally live up to expectations. It'll blow your mind. With all of your golf accolades and what you do helping so many people, have they ever let you play there? I have to ask you that. No. No, you should. (laughs) They haven't. But I'll tell you what. I'm (laughs) going to see if... They give me that big giant Patriot Award in November at the annual meeting, PJ annual meeting. I'm going to ask you, I go, hey, does this come with a round at Augusta? Well, but, uh, with all the good things that you do uh, surrounding the game of golf, I would imagine they should certainly invite you to play. There's no question about that. <laughs> Let's talk about golf in general. We talked about Tiger. We both hope that he makes the cut. It would be great for golf. Uh, let's talk about some of these younger guys out there. I mean, you got uh, most of the top players in the world are under the age of 30. I mean, I think golf is in a really good place. Why is it you think now that there are so many world-class players under the age of 30 where it seems like 20 or 30 years ago, uh, that just was not the case? What do you make of that, the reason for that today? Oh, it's absolutely the Tiger effect. Absolutely the Tiger effect. So these kids are, you know, very young in life. They're, they're getting sport. They're getting their uh, team together, the psychologists, their nutritionists. They're all getting weaned on Division One golf tournaments. And the ones that can make it, they're staying to that plan. Whereas, you know, in the old days, everybody played every sport. These guys are like just zeroing in on golf early. They know how to eat right because of Tiger. They know how to exercise right. If you look at them, you remember the old, 
the old days, Craig Stadler and Lanny and all them. Sure. You know, they didn't really look like great athletes. Now, no. yeah. you, you might be looking at a football team out there, you know? Everyone's in tip-top shape. There's so much money in it now. These guys are like a business. Right. You know, they're surrounded by their their sports psychologists, their nutritionists, their, all that stuff. It's just a different planet out there now. You're and so also, right. Yep. You know, if you remember in the old days, the majors were won by the guys in their late 30s and early 40s because that's kind of when their maturity matched their game and under that intense pressure. Well, now these kids are being weaned on that stuff, you know? Right. So right. I think they come in, they, they come to the tour with a lot more experience, a lot more understanding of what it takes to win the work, all the behind-the-scenes work you need to do. Nobody knew anything about that, you know? You are so right. You guys are cigarettes out there in the old days. <laughs> right, know? right. Our, burgers at the turn, That's right? right. Yeah, you're basically describing John Daly's entire career. But, uh, but no, you're <laughs> Joe, you are so right. And I tell people this all the time, how Tiger changed the game. When you look at these top ten players in the world, I look at, like, say, a Victor Hovland, for example, or a Brooks Kepka or a Dustin Johnson. These guys are in impeccable physical condition. Now, listen, can you still be a little bit out of shape and win a major? Sure. We, we saw it with Pat. Patrick Reed, uh, and you know we saw it at the British Open a few years ago. Yes, uh, Lowry, uh, it's possible, but I don't think in today's game you can be a consistent top ten player in the world without being in really good physical condition. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with that. Yeah, you know because if you're in that great condition, it's not gonna, you're not going to be better physically, but mentally you're going to feel really good. You know, yeah. It yeah. might it might take you right you know to that spot where you need to be to make that putt to win that event you know right no I I agree 100% yeah so let's talk about the Masters this weekend you know Scotty Scheffler was one of my guys that I I said was my guy that 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 could win this thing listen there's a lot of people out there you can pick but uh, it seems to me this is the one golf course where experience is just so important knowing the golf course and that's why I said Tiger Woods would have a legitimate chance to make the cut probably not be in contention but I always thought he had a legitimate chance to make the cut and he does he's right there on the line talk about you know some of these guys that that you think over the weekend are going to have the best chance to win this thing, and and who's your guy that you think will take it home? Well, my you know I, I was picking Tiger after I saw his short game. You know that on Tuesday, I'm like, oh my god, if he can just get it in play. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he kind of got unlucky today because uh, Louis Bouchazen withdrew. So now, right? I mean, remember that birdie yesterday on 16? Tiger credited that with seeing Louis putt first, and he saw that it broke. It was, so he doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have that third guy to keep the pace nice. So he's hitting and waiting, hitting and waiting. So it's really kind of unfortunate that uh, he's only playing as a twosome. But my, you know, Colin, if, if Tiger doesn't win, I, you know, Colin Morikawa, you know, he's he's won a, a couple majors. He's he's a local guy here. I'm friends with his instructor. Mm-hmm. He's got a great shot at it. Um, you know, Cameron Smith came out of nowhere too. He's right. looking pretty good. Right. Uh, Victor Hovland, you know, that's another thing is that down in South Florida, you know, Victor Hovland, Rory McIlroy, Tiger, uh, who else is down? There's a bunch of guys that play out of the Bears Club that Tiger runs with a little bit. So a mm-hmm. lot of these young guys have been hanging out with Tiger. Mm-hmm. So they can get all of that. Uh, yeah, they all look up to him. All that experience. They all look up to him as far as his golf game and what he's done for golf. And by the way, they should. Joe, I have to ask you about Phil Mickelson here. Um, obviously, Phil not playing in the Masters. He, I'm sure you would probably agree he made some really stupid and, and and egotistical statements about the Saudi League and criticisms of the PGA Tour. And it's really sad because Phil is, is such a great career and a Hall of Famer. 
and now he misses the Masters, and he's kind of like gone into his hole, and I don't know when he's going to come back out. What do you make of Phil Mickelson and, and the statements he made several months ago that, in my personal opinion, uh, really, really hurt his career moving forward? He's lost sponsorships. What do you make of this whole Phil Mickelson situation? Uh, it, it couldn't have happened, you know, to a nicer guy. Such a shame, you know, that he went on and, and said that, you know, immediately attacked by the players and the tour and the golf world. I, I you know, I'm glad he's taking some time off. But, you know, obviously there's some mental health something going on, and and you know, I hope he, you know, gets it going. But he's too important to golf to go away. But oh my God, he put his foot in his mouth, you know, and yeah. and that, that that was just a tragedy because he. You know, he's such a fan favorite, all of the above, and yep. next thing you know, we're doing this. You know, uh, what I no, mean? I hear you. A couple more quick questions for you, Joe, and I really do appreciate your time. Again, he's, he's uh, Joe Groman, uh, longtime family friend to Tiger Woods and the Woods family. Uh, let's talk about Brooks Kepka for a moment. I mean, I see a video that came out uh, a few weeks ago of Brooks Kepka grabbing a camera out of a fan's hand saying, get the hell out of my face. He's had really bad interactions with fans in the past. We know about Brooks Kepka and the issues he's had with Bryson DeChambeau, who, by the way, I think is a really good, nice guy. He's a little different, but he's a nice guy. Do you think the PGA Tour should be doing something when you have players on tour that are behaving in the way that Brooks Kepka is behaving, swearing at fans, grabbing phones out of fans' hands? Uh, what do you make of that, and what do you make of Brooks Kepka and some of his antics? Well, if, if some of his fellow competitors aren't going to set him straight, the tour's got to, you know, they have an ethics policy. I don't, maybe they have spoken to him. I think Brooks is probably, you know, this is my opinion, but, you know, he, he's getting married. He, he dyed his hair blonde. Remember that? Yep. You know, and he's doing this. I think there's some other issues at play here that we're seeing going on with this guy. He's, he's not playing too good here. He's not playing good. Um, I don't know, man. I, I I think there might be something in his life that's kind of distracting him. But, uh, yeah, it's sad to see, um, especially out there on tour. I mean, these guys should be nothing but grateful, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. a, it's a good life. It's unfortunate, but I think Tiger Woods is at that place now where he is grateful. You see him smiling a lot out there yesterday. And if there's anybody that knows... How to, how to deal with or having to go through so many issues off the golf course. Uh, Tiger Woods certainly knows how to do that. Okay, final question for you, Joe. Does Tiger Woods make the cut? If he does, where do you see him finishing in this thing this weekend? Well, if Tiger makes the cut, if he can tear it, if Tiger makes the cut, he's got a chance to win. I mean, Weekend pressure is going to get to the other guys. He can hang in there. It's just going to depend on what this back nine tells us. It was actually the front nine. I was hoping because he played his first 18 holes yesterday. So I figured the first nine was going to be really important on how his body healed. And we're not seeing the results early that we wanted to see. If he can get this back to maybe two over or one over and he's only four or five out, my money's on Tiger Woods for sure. Yeah. Uh, if he does miss the cut, I'm probably going with Colin Morikawa. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, yep. Tim's not playing bad either. But yep. Colin's looking like uh, Colin's looking very composed out there. He knows how to win a major. Mm-hmm. So, but if Tiger gets through the it gets through today, he's, he's going to win this thing. Boy, that would be one of the best stories in the history of sports, not just golf, and, and one of the best comeback stories too. I'm I'm certainly rooting for him, Joe, and I really do appreciate. I know you are too, and I hope that uh, meeting with Tiger eventually goes well because uh, he needs you in his life again. I think he needs more people like you. Joe Groman, always a pleasure having you on. I appreciate your time, my friend, and enjoy the golf this weekend as I will. 
Great. Thank you, Brian. Thank, Thank you. you, Las Vegas. Appreciate that. Uh, that's Joe Groman. Great guy. Great guy and for a number of reasons. Good golfer, but uh, does so much to help people in the game of golf. That's why he won that award. And I just think it's so cool to talk to somebody that knows Tiger so well like Joe does. And they had a falling out. And the reason why they had a falling out is because Joe kind of opened up to the infidelities that his father had and that Tiger had. He kind of spilled the beans a little bit. He was honest about it. He was respectful about it. Tiger did not like that. So they haven't spoken in a little while. But this is a childhood friend that, listen, life is short, man. Life is really short. Trust me, I learned that the hard way a few years ago when I got COVID. And when you have issues with people in your life, but you know that they care about you, you got to work out those issues. I get it. Sometimes people are just not meant to like each other. But I really hope he repairs that relationship with Tiger because I think Tiger needs more people like that in his life. People that know Tiger since childhood. You know, I think that's important. Um, I don't know how this is going to play out. I told you that Tiger was going to play. I was right about that. I told you that Tiger was going to put up a good number yesterday. I was right about that. I also told you I didn't think Tiger was going to play well today. Not because he doesn't have the game. Not because he's not feeling well enough. But the weather. When it's cold and windy, Tiger does not play well. And a part of that probably has to do with uh, his physical condition and where he's at right now. Tiger does not play extremely well when the weather's cold, windy. He just never does. Very rarely. And, and he's struggling out there today, and he's right on the cut line. And everybody around the game of golf is rooting for Tiger to make the cut. Everybody. Everybody involving the PGA Tour. All of, uh, I would imagine, just about everybody that is playing in this event wants him to make the cut. Because it's great for the game. It's great for golf. And, and the viewership just skyrockets. But Tiger is, uh, <laughs> what, what, what a life he's had. The ups and the downs are just incredible. But... I'm not sure there was really accountability with Tiger when it came to this car crash that he was involved in a year and a half ago. I think he got very lucky on a number of fronts. He got very lucky that he didn't get killed. He got very lucky that he didn't kill anybody else. And he also got lucky that they didn't give him a blood test because I am not buying the fact that it was speeding because it wasn't. I am not buying the fact that you know he just lost control of the vehicle because it wasn't. Uh, based on the evidence and what I've seen, and I've actually talked to people who are experts when it comes to investigating car accidents, and they told me they believe that Tiger Woods fell asleep at the wheel as he crossed the center median and, by the way, never went on his brakes. You lose control of your vehicle, usually the first thing you do is you slam on the brakes. He didn't do that. I believe he was sleeping at the wheel. And I believe the reason why he was sleeping at the wheel is because he was under the influence of something. Not alcohol, but maybe some pills. We all know that this has happened with him before. So I personally believe that that's what caused this crash. When I say you know not really held to account, certainly he was held to account with the hundreds of women that he slept with when he was married. He uh, paid the price for that one financially. And in the public eye. That was an embarrassing situation. I certainly hope he learned his lesson from that. But Joe is right. You know, when I see images of Tiger Woods and the video of him with his son, it's it's really nice to see. It's really touching. He seems to be a good dad. And I said on social media, I said, you know, I'm not going to root for Tiger Woods because... You know, Tiger Woods is, you know, what he did to his wife. I'm not going to root for Tiger because of that crash and, and, and what he did there. But I said, it's going to be impossible for me not to root for Tiger Woods this weekend because of everything he's gone through. And I know everybody, you know, usually loves a good comeback story. And this is the ultimate comeback story. Listen, he's not going to win the Masters. 
he's pretty much put himself, for the most part, out of contention this week. He's not going to win the Masters. But he certainly, right now, is right on the bubble of making the cut, which would be an unbelievable accomplishment. Listen, it's an unbelievable accomplishment whether he makes the cut or not. But just the fact that he's competing at this level is, is just incredible, and it leads me to believe, based on what we have seen, is that he will be playing in many more events. He will be playing, certainly, in the other majors this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Unless something catastrophic happens to his leg, which I don't see happening, he's going to be playing. Which is great for the game of golf. You know, all these things are positives. This is great for the game of golf. But, golf is already in a good place. You know, a lot of good young players out there competing at the Masters at Augusta National. Golf is in a fantastic place right now, but if Tiger Woods can make the cut, that makes things all the more better. That is for sure. And it's the one golf tournament that I watch every year. Uh, sure, I watch the majors uh, here and there, and you know I'll watch events here and there. When the PGA Tour comes to Las Vegas, I always support the Shriners. They do a great job. Patrick Lindsay and the tournament director, they're, they're, they're really good. They do a fantastic job. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is great for golf. It's a great sports story. And I personally believe that Tiger is going to find a way to make the cut. He always does. But, boy, this is going to be tough with the the conditions out there. Very windy, very cold. I think he's going to make it. And even if he doesn't, it's still a a fantastic story. An absolutely fantastic story. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Uh, Again, Tiger Woods, three over par through, I believe, seven holes now. And there's plenty more of golf to be played. Plenty more of golf to be played. But again, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I appreciate Joe Groman uh, taking the time to join us. Uh, that was uh, that was cool to be able to talk to him. How cool is that? It's a little strange, though, isn't it? Like you grow up being such a close friend to the Woods family. He's 10 feet away from Tiger Woods at the Masters and not even talking to him. That's unfortunate. That's going to change. But he also makes a good point. That's not really the time to have that conversation with the guys at the Masters. Uh, so I, I agree with that sentiment as well. But a lot of uh, other sports stories, of course, to, to touch base on, which is the Vegas Golden Knights. They're playing a very bad Arizona team tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. If you want to say must win... This is the definition of a must-win. By the way, I believe the Kings lost yesterday, so that's good news for the Knights. God, the Sharks are terrible, too. I was watching that game last night against the Calgary Flames. It's amazing how the San Jose Sharks have just fallen off the face of the earth. This is a game that the Knights absolutely have to win tomorrow. Uh, Many, many players on Arizona are going to be out tomorrow due to injury. Even if they were out there, the Knights should take care of business. I'm going to just say it right now, ladies and gentlemen. If the Knights do not win tomorrow night, I believe they will. But if they do not, they're done. They're not making the playoffs. They absolutely have to win tomorrow. They have to win every game uh, at home coming in. And they almost have to win almost every game the rest of the year. Because they put themselves in this situation. But the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, to me, make the playoffs or not, changes need to be made. And I say that with all due respect. This franchise has accomplished so much so soon. And these fans are so spoiled, right? So spoiled. I mean, year one, they make the Stanley Cup Finals. That was very special, and I felt very fortunate to be a part of that, to be able to watch the Stanley Cup Finals and watch your home team play and cover the team. Uh, I, I miss Gerard Gallant. I miss Gallant very much. 
And I think a lot of the fans do as well. All due respect to Pete DeBoer, good guy, good coach. But Gallant was the right guy for this job. Management has made mistakes. They've made mistakes. And there has to be accountability. They've made some bad decisions. They've made some great decisions over the course of the last several years. But they've made a lot of goofs and they've made a a lot of bad decisions over the course of the last year. I don't think anybody would really uh, debate that. It's been a lot of mistakes that have been made. So I use the term accountability all the time. I don't think Robin Leonard's the right guy for the job. Robin Leonard, good goalie. Don't think this is the right city for him. I don't think this is the right team for him. This was the perfect place for Marc Andre Fleury. This was and he loved it here. He loved the fans, he loved the organization. That was that was mistake number one. That was absolutely 100% mistake number one. All right. So here's what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, one of my favorite comedians of all time. The guy is hilarious. He's an actor extraordinaire. He's a comedian. And he's performing in Las Vegas this weekend at Wise Guys Comedy Club. The very funny and talented T.J. Miller is going to be joining me in studio. So we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be back right after this with T.J. Miller in studio. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits right here at KSHP. So thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, anybody who knows me knows I love going to shows in Vegas. I've been here for 20 years. And uh, I love this new comedy club, Wise Guys Comedy Club. We had Paulie Shore on the show a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And the guy... Can you hear me at all or no? Now we can hear you. Okay. That is the voice of... Because I can't hear myself. Oh, well, that's not good. And there's no way to turn up the volume. Make sure TJ can hear himself. That's important. Uh, How you guys doing? Doing good. That is one of my favorite comics of all time. I love this guy. Uh, Actor extraordinaire, comedian... T.J. Miller joining me in studio. He's going to be at Wise Guys Comedy Club tonight. Two shows. Tomorrow, two shows. T.J., thank you so much for being here, my man. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. Oh, look at that. It wasn't even plugged in. <laughs> there you go. Can you hear and yourself now, now? Yeah, now it's so loud. Am I lower able t- to turn it down on my Lower, lower T.J. a little bit. Welcome to Las Vegas Guys, Radio. you are the... Uh, <laughs> you are... You, you're this. This is guerrilla radio. It really is in a Las Vegas strip mall. It, it, Get to it. <laughs> it really is, TJ. Right next door is a place called like Louise's Twenty Four Hour Gaming, and I love how they're like Twenty Four Hour Gaming, and Louise's, and it's like we never close. Like I'm like, who is like at a point in their life where they're so drunk or whatever? They're like Twenty Four. That's me. Yeah, right? I'll be there at three in the morning playing like Kino at you know twenty five cent Kino. I, I just I like the idea that someone's like twenty four. Is that all day? How many hours are in a day? There are a lot of degenerates how in Las Vegas. Of, how often do they close each day? And then it's like we never close, and they're like, oh okay, good. That's good. TJ, I gotta ask you this: How nice is it for you to be touring again? You know, the pandemic obviously really nobody was touring. How cool is it for you to be out there again doing stand up comedy in front of your fans? Um, oh wow! I mean. I can't, I can't even begin to tell you how awful it was to be unemployed for like <laughs> seven months. It was the weirdest thing. What were you doing? The longest I had, I was just gaming 24 hours a day at just places gaming. that do not close. <laughs> I wouldn't go anywhere that closed. None of these 22 hour gaming parlors. 
but I, uh, there's a guy outside here that's like looking at us like, Are you guys open all day? Um, what kind of keno you got in there? Um, no, I mean, I, uh, I was just kind of. I mean, I was chilling with Kate, my wife and I met in college, mm-hmm. um, and so I talk about this on stage, but it was basically like college. Yeah. We just uh, couldn't get into bars, right? Right. Uh, we're getting wasted and watching movies all day and all night, not doing homework and trying <laughs> to score Percocet, but just not able to. Do you watch any of your movies? Like, you've been in so many great films. Oh, yeah, so fun. for sure. Like, do you do that? Are you a guy that watches the shows that you're well, in? I won't. it won't be the first thing for me to go to. You know, if we're hanging out, I'm not like, hey, you want to watch Ready Player One? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Um, but I'm happy to watch them, and I like uh, I like all the work I've done. There's really no As films do I. I've been in that I say... As do I. Oh, you know, Extract wasn't that funny, but I do I like, love Extract. No, 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 I'm saying... I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's going to be tough. Uh, I, all right, we're going to do this. Fine. It's going to be easy going. I'm nervous. He's nervous. You're not. Our sound engineer is not nervous. He's got a Rebels hat on with sunglasses on the hat. Because it's, it's sunny even for the hat. The Rebels, the football team's terrible. Basketball's okay. I mean, basketball's okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so I, um, so yeah, so I, I was sort of... You know, we didn't watch any of my films, I don't think. But I was sort of kind of in a place where we what we did is we watched Wes Anderson films, Ah. like all of them. And so we did a lot of film festivals. I didn't watch enough stand up. Mm -hmm. What I was going to say is I watch all my films and I don't say, oh, Extract wasn't very funny, but I liked Our Idiot Brother. I think everything that I've done, I'm pretty... I like all the movies. There really aren't any movies that I've done that I don't like. I the, tend to agree with you, and I'm not kissing your ass. I, I, I do. You're very good. Uh, you're, I, I love. Thank you. Uh, let, let me, I want to ask you about Will Smith. I have to ask you. This. Okay. Well, as, as do a, you mind if I just finish? Oh, I apologize. It's okay. No, no, no. It's you're, my ADD. You're, you're, I interrupt. No, you're excited, and I am too. And we're both. We want to go play Kino. <laughs> so, uh, but my stand-up. I watched my HBO special recently, and that I when I first saw it, I was like, Ugh, I don't want to be watching this. So I took actually like five or six days of figuring out how to get in the red, right headspace. So I tried watching it kind of drunk, and then I was like, maybe I need to be high, but then I was too high, and so I was like, I'm, thinking, I'm overthinking this. But then I finally got to a place where I watched I said, you know, this isn't that bad, and I'm shooting a special in Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, cool. Um, next weekend. Oh, nice. So a week from today, and then a week from tomorrow, I'm doing all... Um, uh, you know, I'm doing a completely new special, and then in May I shoot another special in You're Tampa, a busy Florida, guy. <laughs> and then in the fall I'm going to shoot another special in San Diego. So I'm doing three specials. This guys, all over year. the place. Yeah, and it's going to be it'll be a lot of fun. But so Will Smith, what did you make of that band? Well, he's been banned from the academy. I was on the phone with my wife. I was on the phone with Kate, and she goes, "So Will Smith has been uh, banned from the Oscars for ten years," and I was like, "Whoa, well, yeah." That's what he'd say. Yeah, he should. He can't do that. Right. And then we started talking about it. And I go, you know, it's just such a bad example. And then Keith Stubbs, who owns the club. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and out his opinion on all this. <laughs> and so Keith said, well, I don't. Um, he said, I don't. I don't think they should like ruin his career. I don't think he should his career yeah. ruined for this because right. they said they pulled a movie that he was going to do. And what do you do in that situation else? if you're Chris Rock? Uh, 
I mean, you okay? So what I'll say is, so as I was talking to Kate. I go, you know, this is the problem. This is the problem with Hollywood. So Keith Stubbs said, you do have ADD, don't you? Major. I have ADHD. But the worst. I'm, the worst, I'm DJ. feeling like, oh my God, I'm counting my blessings that I, <laughs> I can at least wait through a full story of somebody talking. I'm sorry, TJ. No, you're doing great. I, this is all part of it. And so um, Keith, you know, he said, and I said, you just can't. I was talking to Keith. I go, you can't. Hit somebody. It's not like it's an allegation or they said that he did something. Right. You don't have any, or even Weinstein. We started talking about that. Like right. all they have is you know this this audio of him saying you know come into my room. You don't want to make an enemy of me. But none of us know if those girls were like if this gets me in an Academy Award winning movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll let him go down on me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you just we don't know. But what we do know is that Will Smith. <laughs> After Chris Rock made a pretty funny joke, a harmless joke, but just like a dumb G.I. Jane joke. Yeah, you know? stupid. Yeah. And it's it's a bad movie. That's part of it. And She was hot in that movie, though. Yeah, but it's, yeah. you know, I, I just think it's... Wait, now, was Jada Pickett-Smith in G.I. Jane? No, no, she okay. was not. So anyway... I wish so, she was. Yeah, but nobody... So nobody... It's, it's just such a dumb it joke. It wasn't a big deal. But yeah. for him to go up there and just hit him and then sit down like nothing was wrong... How did they let him stay there, though, Well, TJ? because nobody knew what to do. This has never really happened. I right. mean, it was much worse than when Kanye West was like, I'm right. sorry, this should have gone to Beyonce. Everybody was rocked Has by anyone that. ever been close to doing that to you? Uh, you've been performing for years in front of a lot of people. An Atlanta guy rushed the stage. Did he really? But so recently I had a radio host ask me, what would I do if I was Chris Rock? So I'm just going to jump back into that to <laughs> I'm just going to answer his question, and then I'd love to get to your questions. But I've got this radio host. He's he's from the past, and sometimes I'm like, I better deal with that first. So what I would do, just let him know that this is what I would have told him. Okay, uh, pass it on to him. Um, and so what what I think was so funny was I said, you know, you have the evidence. This guy went over and hit this guy and then sat down and was like, keep, you know, your name, my mother, you know, and also the Oscars like bleeped that. They were able right. to bleep it. Mm-hmm. So people knew what was going on and then they said that they tried to eject. That's not true. They just didn't know what to do. Right. Um, but if you watch the video, and this is so great for comedians because we know, if you watch the video, he slaps him and then Chris Rock kind of you know, he's dazed, and he's like, uh, da, and I think he's he says like, okay, Will Smith just smacked me. This is the greatest moment in television right. or something. And then you can see it in his eyes, and I think he almost starts to be like, whoa, yes, and because yes. he could have just torn into. He Will was Smith. thinking about it for a moment. He stuttered. Oh, You're for, absolutely there fla- right. There's yes. a flash in his eyes. <laughs> you're right. Because Will Smith is the easiest. Oh, you know, don't be upset with me that you're gay and your wife was having intercourse <laughs> with a terrible rapper. Not even a, a cool rapper, but just a bad rapper. And then you went on Oprah and you had this eating grin where you just are absolutely. Like, just emasculated, just like whipped, cuckolded guy, and your stupid son who looks like an idiot and has only made terrible, terrible movies. The Karate Kid movie. Who I like, right? The Karate Kid movie, and he was in a terrible movie with you. How sad is that? It's really? That you bad. both get to go to the premiere together and have everybody be like, oh, I guess Will Smith can make whatever trash he wants to. 
And then his strange daughter is just whipping her hair back and forth. They're weird people. What, what, what is, the hell is going on there? And also, I would be like, and is it now the time to say that you're a Scientologist? Yes. And that's part of why you did this? Yes, a lot. I mean, and that's, I'm not Chris Rock. I just yeah. did a very funny roast. <laughs> well, imagine what Chris Rock would have done. And I just, I met him recently because I know Chappelle. And so I saw him, the comedy seller, he's working on a new special, which is mm-hmm. going to be amazing. And then they both did a show together at this yep. club called The Stand. And so I met him. We've seen each other around all the time. And I met him. And he's just like the nicest guy, but he's a little dude. It's very small. He's not a big yeah. guy. And so that's almost more pathetic that Will's. Because you think Will Smith would have done that to The Rock? No, absolutely not. I, you know what else I think? I'm not sure Will Smith would have done that to a white person. Think about the weird I brought psychological that complexity of that. I brought that up. He I agree. definitely wouldn't have done it to a woman. No way. So I think it's really sick that it was a small Agreed. black guy that he went over and there's going to be no repercussions. Agreed. I'm not even sure he would have done that to uh, Kevin Hart. Probably not. Kevin Hart's even smaller. If you just He's joined- even smaller, but I think <laughs> maybe true. he would have swung back or something. I agree. He just knew that 100%. Chris Rock wouldn't, wouldn't do that. And so yeah. it was really sickening and what i think is funny is that now people kind of need to take a look at themselves and say you know when this person kevin spacey's not the best example but like he he had a an allegation by this young guy right he goes to court the judge immediately sees that this is not real. There's everything's changing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to, or whatever. So they throw the case out, mm-hmm. and it's like, so with Kevin Spacey, do you then go? I'm not watching his movies, which I think is not. He's true. been canceled completely. Yeah, but you know what? He did a show. Brilliant actor. Yeah, and but he did a movie. He has a movie that's coming out. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. So like right, they just wanted to cancel him completely. Yep. And um, and so you look at that, and then you look at Will Smith. And it's like Will Smith hit Chris Rock in oh, the yeah. face. It's assault. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so he does deserve to get canceled. Agree. But I think that because he's the only one that definitively, I mean, you know, Louis a different story because he said, yes, I did masturbate in front of these women. <laughs> I don't think Louis C.K. should be, uh, I don't think what he did was sexual assault or anything like that. I love Louis C.K. No, Another also, brilliant it's so weird that it's consensual. It's weird, right? Like, yeah, sure. And then they're like, he ruined, Chappelle has the best joke on I that. I can make an thing. appropriate question and say, do you ever do that with your wife? But that would be very inappropriate, TJ. I would never ask you I, that I don't because I don't <laughs> understand how that's like hot. I mean, I guess, no no woman know, wants me to do it. Everybody in a regular marriage who's been married for a while, yes, perhaps if your wife is like, we don't have time to have sex, I right. have to shower, you're like, just right, whip it out. if I just take a peek and <laughs> just, you know, I'm just watching you and venerating your beauty. That type of thing. I have to. I ha- you see how I, I try. See that my ADD. I was focused there. I didn't. I tried to. I didn't. Yeah, because it was there. about jacking off. That's while true. As a That's naked true. woman. That's in true. Shower. That was very exciting. That'll yes. really hone in your. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to get this out of the way. Um, I was a huge fan of of a lot of what you've done. I loved Silicon Valley, and I know you're asked this question all the time, but I'll, I'll ask it a different way. I stopped watching the show when you left because I thought you made the show. I mean, there's a lot of brilliant people on the show. I'm sure you would agree. Oh, but, yeah, absolutely. But I stopped watching it when you left because I didn't enjoy it as much. I thought the show went downhill a little that bit That was when you the left. greatest cast. So what happened was I wanted to leave 
because I was doing too much. I was right. just doing films. I was performing stand-up every night, so I wasn't really sleeping that much. So I choked to set. I was really exhausted. They Somebody even was like, he would come and he wouldn't have read the script the night before. I was like, yeah, because I don't need to, and I don't want to. I'm good at a cold read, and I get to hear right. the jokes for the first time. Just, no, here, you got to do this and get it on the social media. Get Start serious. recording. He's a new he's a new manager, and so That's he's okay. trying to... We'll put, we got it. We got the video going. We got the video. We'll yes. get it up there. We got a couple but little like, wise guys, how people want to go and see the jokes for the first time <laughs> on Silicon Valley, I would go and I would do... Um, I'd go and do a cold read. I'd hear the jokes for the first time. I'd crack up, and it was right. genuine laughter. But it's true. I was just doing too much. And, you know, I would go and do stand-up, and then afterwards I'd have drinks. It's hard to go to sleep right after stand-up. I get stand-up. that. I, so you'd hang. I mean, it's like you. After radio, you got to go. You're, uh, you're up. You're ready to go to Louise's for 24 hours. <laughs> That's true, actually. Never closing gambling. <laughs> That's true. Gaming. They call it gaming. Gaming, gambling. yes. And so, um, you know, I, I just, I was so exhausted. I, I really also, after the second season, the third season, I started to realize I was going on autopilot. Right. I just was. I could go through the motions. I knew the character that, that makes well. Sense. And I always feel like that. Like I did Deadpool two, but I I didn't do Deadpool three. I, Great I bartender. Because <laughs> thank you. Because I just feel like it was. Um, you don't want to do a character for more than three years. I understand like what you're saying. Years. Everything you're saying, TJ, makes complete sense. However, with that being and said, so. Yeah. And so, uh, let me, you know what, let me finish my answer sure, to the, the radio host that was here just recently. I mean, minutes ago. And um, and and so I left because, and they were so nice to me. You know, there's so much, the media obviously is just the worst of all time. Not this media. Uh, but Hollywood media is the worst. And so I sort of like, uh, I basically said, look, you know, um, I think it's better. I think it's a funny way for it to end that I'm in an opium den and you never hear from me again. And I would like to get out of this character and go and do other things. But also, I would like these... um, There'd be more room for Jimmy O. Yang and Amanda Crew, who's so Mm -hmm. funny. Mm -hmm. And give uh, Thomas Middleditch more room to do physical comedy because he's so good at that. I I Mm -hmm. worked with him in Chicago from the very... From the jump. Right. And... What I think happened is they didn't really do that. They kind of continued the formula forward. And the other reason I kind of wanted to leave is no television show gets better after the fourth and fifth season. It's just no one in the world is like, my favorite, uh, my favorite season of Breaking Bad, season eight. That's true. It's just you can't, you can't do it. It's why there's that expression, jumping the shark. Yeah. So that... All of those things combined, I wanted to leave. And I didn't watch a lot of it after I was gone, but I did watch some of it. And I just think all those guys are brilliant. It's just, it's hard to keep the momentum of a show for that many years for, honestly, the better part of a decade. Right. It's a long time. And 4 was actually interesting, too, because I have people that come up to me and they're like, dude, I watched Silicon That was how I made friends in college. And every year I was in college, we watched Silicon on Sunday nights. And that was like our thing. And so for four years, and then of course they say they stopped watching after I left. But I think four years is a really interesting capsule. I'm sure there were high school students that did that also or young professionals that Mm -hmm. that was the thing that they connected with their coworkers on. Mm -hmm. So it was a great show, but no part of me is like – because when I first left, they go, you don't want to stay? And I was like, no. And they're like, really? And I could feel them being like, but don't you want to be rich? Don't you want to own a boat? 
Right. You know, don't you, didn't you always want to be a successful, famous television actor? And it's like, no, I always wanted to be a comedian and I am a comedian, but I get to do that in a lot of different things. That's interesting. And I, you know, I talked with Kate about this recently. Yeah. When we were in our 20s, I went to Manhattan and I saw this amazing comedian um, who was sort of, you know, he just he's a big, big mainstay. Right. You know, up there. And um, what he did was he came to a club called Dangerfields, now closed because of the pandemic, the only Manhattan club that closed, the oldest club. And he came in and he goes, uh, what time am I up? And they're like, he's like, because I got to sit down at the cellar. And he clearly come from another show. And, I, and they were like, uh, about this time, he's like, can I jump in front of somebody else? And they were like, let us check. And then he did. And he got right up. It was a full, it was like a weekend. So it was totally packed crowd. He killed, he just destroyed. And then he left. And I just couldn't believe it. And so I followed him like a creep. I followed him down to the comedy <laughs> cellar, and I met this other famous comedian down there, Lenny Marcus, and mm-hmm. I got to actually ask him a couple questions. And I just thought the coolest thing a human being could do with their life is be a Manhattan stand-up comic. I just couldn't imagine something cooler right. than being able to do that. And I, since then, That's I your- know my record is eight shows in one night. You did eight shows in a night. How are you able to do that? Um, because there's so many clubs in Manhattan, and you're only doing 12-minute spots, 12 to 15-minute spots. But how is your brain, by the end of the night, not just completely fizzled out? Sometimes you got to say to the audience, hey, did I tell this joke? That's unbelievable. Or did I tell that to the last joke? I, See, but people, some people might not realize that about you. It's interesting what you said. You didn't want to be this famous actor. You want to yeah. be a stand-up guy. That's what you do. I yeah. totally That totally makes sense to me. Does it bother you at all? I don't know what your relationship is now with Mike Judge. Obviously a brilliant no, it's guy. Great. Office Space is one of my favorite movies of all time. I was going to see him in Austin. No, but it's great. So you guys still talk. He's a buddy. We still text. I'm I'm on good terms with HBO. Good. Um, Who else? Michael Bay just came Mm -hmm. to see me in uh, Florida. I just went to see his premiere of Ambulance. He invited me to the premiere of Ambulance, which is great. Did you? Did you? uh, I know you moved from LA to New York. But I also I did 18 shows in 10 days. That is unbelievable. That's the last thing I just did that in March. But it's your passion. This is yeah, what you love great. to do, it's right? It's, it's, so for you, it's not necessarily about the money. You're already as an established guy. You've been around a long time. The, money, the money's not bad. And the money's good. I'm going to lose a lot of it at Circus Circus. But you would be- On carnival games. <laughs> but- I don't game. I don't gamble. I'm not a gaming individual, but I love That's where the pedophiles- Carnival games, give it over. The pedophiles hang at Circus Circus. Yeah, that's uh, what I heard. Well, but you know, would- I'm hoping one or two of them might think I'm a- Because I'm built like a large toddler. <laughs> I'm hoping some of them might be like, ooh, how about that? You've said that in your stand-up act that you don't know why your wife married you. Married yeah, I can't a, imagine. A big toddler. With the way that she looks, you can Google her. But dear She's very Lord beautiful. God. You have a beautiful wife. No question. She's no kids? Something. No, we have four frozen kids. <laughs> so we have three daughters and a son. Uh, so we're going to see what to do about that. We were on... I was doing uh, cognitive remediation with my neuropsychologist. Did you do enough... Uh, Research to know that uh, I have brain surgery. Yes, I'm a brain you talked about individual. it. You have yeah. talked about your surgery. Yeah, and there's going to be more to come with that. But I have a great bit about me having a seizure that I did on Comedy Central. Bad Bunny, That's incredible huh? man. Yeah, I know a little bit about that. Both not to be a downer here, no, but my parents have had Psycho brain Bunny. Injury. Yeah, Psycho yeah. Bunny. That's but your deal. Do you, do you think? <laughs> Is Psycho Bunny? Yeah. Is that my nickname? No, that's your shirt. Oh, oh, is, oh, yeah, yeah. The, you know, it's just a cheap shirt I got for probably $9 somewhere, you know, because I'm a radio guy. I don't have the money that you have. No, you're you, worth a lot no, of money. No, you do not. I do not. You're I mean, worth- Tell what, by the pants. $20 million. No. $40 million. 
$55,000. You should have seen. I wish people could see. Sometimes it's poor fun and rate. Well, I guess you guys can see. But, oh, my God, did his eyes go huge when I said 55 because he was like, this guy's $55 million. Nope, not after the pandemic. No, no but way, you've man. done I mean, well for yourself. You know, yeah, but of course. But I think how hard I work. 18 shows in 10 days. That's Who true. You cannot make money when they're working that hard. That's also true. By the way, so. TJ, let me just plug the show real quick. TJ's going to be uh, at this amazing new comedy club. It's on Main Street. Uh, interviewed Pauly Shore a few weeks ago. He was there. It, it's a great place. I'm uh, not as funny as Pauly Shore. I want to make that clear. Pauly's, Pauly's a good guy. What do you make of him? He's I mean, his dude. life he's is weird, incredible. But, you know, he's become almost folkloric. Yeah. In uh, he's like legendary, and not not necessarily for his, just his comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean. There are all these stories about him in the green room, about how he went into a freezer with two girls. Who knows what happened in there? Likely not a lot of tomato chopping. I have to you put ask it this you way: when that. they left, the lettuce had wilted. <laughs> I have to ask you about that. Another personal That's question. That's an impotency joke. You have, I understand. You have a, a beautiful yeah, you wife. do. Your fame. I saw you get an erection to that fifty-five million dollar possibility. I did actually. And went as flaccid as a that's true as a roulette table at Circus Circus after two a.m. I was going to ask him for a loan. Yeah, of, of course. Your fame, your celebrity status. You're yeah. married. You guys is, are into sports a lot. Is this a sports station? Uh, politics, sports. I, I do a oh, little you bit. Do everything. it all. I do it all. So I this was is ask truly talk that. radio. It is truly talk radio. And are you from Las Vegas? No, I've been living here twenty years i'm from connecticut um, oh yeah that's what you said yeah, off the air. yeah i'm from connecticut spent a lot of time in new york you said some interesting things off the air what did i say well, i'm an you, interesting you guy said that you don't care for asians you said that you that's absolutely that not you love true. them that but is that not you never true. cared for one like well it just meant you never such dated a bad one. read no, no, it's no, no. the opposite i have you, a fetish just, for asian no, women. right after that you said you just never right you said i have a fetish but i've never cared for one had, i have like, a fetish intimacy. for i have a fetish for semi-overweight comedians is that true? Yes, yes. Well, you're going to have to find one. <laughs> fair enough, fair That's enough. That's right. So, 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 TJ. Do you, you do push-ups? Absolutely not. Do I look like I do push-ups? What's wrong with you? No, look at me. Would you call yourself underweight, slightly overweight, or I was just a college, not doing well? I was a college, a little bit of everything. Okay. Yeah, a little bit, I think, to be fair, a little, little bit column of everything. A, little column B, little yeah. column C. <laughs> fair enough. That, you That's You should fair. start doing push-ups. You know what I do? I do 34 push-ups whenever I think of it. Do you really work out yeah. a lot? Yeah. No, it's not working out. It's just I'll go and do, I'll do the push-ups. You know I can't I mean? do one push-up. Um, really? I played yes, college. No, I can't. Come on. You're going to do a push-up right now? Get the microphone on. Go ahead. Come Get on. the microphone on. I can't do one. Get over here. Look at that. All right. TJ Miller in studio right now is, is doing a push-up. One. I can't see. Uh, one, two, three. Are those real push-ups that he's 15. doing? Yes. I can't do one of those, TJ. Real push-ups, 100%. TJ Miller in studio right now uh, doing live push-ups in the studio. This 30, is a first for 31, me. 32, 33, 34. So that's what I do every time I think. By the way, right there where you were laying, I was with an Asian woman right there. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it smelled I'm not, like a I'm not even going to try to do a push-up. That was impressive, though. Congrats. So that, that, was, that was so impressive. That, so that's what I've been doing. I've been doing 34 push-ups whenever I think of it. That was really good. And then I walk a lot. That's the whole He's thing. He's not even out of breath. Shep, do one. No, I can't do, do one. one. Do Maybe one. after the show. Do one. Maybe what do you mean after the show? All right. Now go over where the Asian and you made love. <laughs> All right, I'll try. Here we go. Here we See? go. One. There is two. Two. Three. three. There it goes. That's it. That's it. <laughs> 
three. That's all we needed. I'm done. That's three times the amount that he thought he couldn't do. I can beat you at a buffet. That's about it. That's about all I can do. I would do. love to go to a buffet. With you know, you. I played college tennis. You know, at one point in my life, 20 years ago, I was actually in really good physical condition. Can you believe that? I still play golf, but that doesn't really you count. You look like you're in good physical. And golf's supposed to be very healthy for you because you're walking a lot. See, I love walking. I walked all around. You don't play golf? Uh, no. My father... His whole family were golfers. My uncle's an amazing golfer. Really? But um, Sports fan? My father, uh, my uncle? Yeah, I think he likes KU basketball. <laughs> See, if you move too quickly, you're going to screw up the narrative, which I like. I'm having fun with that. <laughs> um, but, you know, my father would always say golf is so stupid and it's a nice walk ruin, which is a Mark Twain thing. And I just, I never got into it. And I think... You really have to pay attention to it, right? I mean, you have to work really hard to get good at it. Mm-hmm. So I play squash, which is a very you really, white, do you, do you really very play white thing to do. <laughs> it yes. is. It is uh, squash. It might is, be the whitest. It's it's whiter than tennis. Tennis is you very think? white, but I think it's getting a little bit better. Getting a little bit better. Well, it's, I, it's listen, a country my, club sport. Kate loves tennis, and uh, and I, you know, but I'm just a huge fan of squash. I think it's so so fun, and. Uh, and so, you know, and as far as sports fan, it's like I don't have a lot of time to follow sports. Some people use that as kind of a, um, you know, a mental break, like video games or something. And for me, that's film. So you don't go to like and I an- think that's why I'm a good actor is I've seen so many movies. I watch so much film. So now I'm trying to just focus on watching stand-up and seeing every single special and seeing them over and over. Which, by the way, I want to plug. Dave Attell has a new special called Roadwork. Brilliant guy. It's yep. unbelievably funny. Have you I've seen interviewed that, Dave Asa? before. Ace, the manager, hasn't seen it. He's not doing very well as a manager of a comedy club right now. Right. But I... I, I th- it's, it's hard to watch. I want to be honest with you. Is it hard to watch? It's as hard to watch as imagining you could have a narrative through line... That doesn't involve slightly backhanded compliments to Asian women. I love Asian women. I love that you love them! I love Asian women, TJ. We have something in common. But uh, who are some of the comics that you grew up with? I mean, I don't know. Were you like the class clown in high school? I mean, you're such a funny and talented guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I got in a lot of trouble because of it. But yeah, I was always funny, except for sixth grade. There was a really weird moment where I was really funny until fifth grade. And then in sixth grade, I think I was just growing into a new... You know, it just it was weird, like growing pains, but of my sense of humor. And so I, for a full year, I wasn't funny. And people would make fun of me and say, oh, it's a TJ joke. Or there was a friend of mine, Josh, for like, oh, I'm saying, they'd be like, Josh joke, TJ Miller alert, or Josh joke, TJ alert, when somebody said a bad joke. Yeah. And that was just horrifying for so many reasons. It was just really hard. But then suddenly at the end of sixth grade, I like, snapped in and then i was just like funny all through the rest of junior high high school i was the president of the school not even the class no the way. whole school just because my um my speech was really funny that was the whole thing were you popular with the girls in high school i you know not all of the girls but i had my girlfriend mm-hmm. in high school was i think probably was the hottest girl there would be an argument to be made by everyone in school she was the hottest girl explain, in the school explain this to me you're obviously that wasn't until junior senior year <laughs> right do you have your own bobblehead I, I did it again i interrupted him do again. you have your own bobblehead but when he talks about how popular he see, was with women do you see how i'm uh 
I'm trying to like come up to his level. I need you know some I mean? uh, ADHD medication. Does anybody have any on hand? No, I do. Okay. It's called nitrous oxide. Oh, this guy's opening one right over there. But you're such an interesting guy. There's so there's like a million questions I can ask you. Uh, let me. Sorry, I forgive me. You have your beautiful wife, married guy, but you're a famous celebrity, right? When uh, very attractive women come up to you, is that difficult for you? I would imagine a lot of women hit not, on you after not really. shows. And no. this is what I always say. I had a thing which I think has created problems for me. But long term, it's going to be much better, mm-hmm. which is I had a thing where I went on the road. All I cared about was the work and kind of getting up. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Fine. I was always chasing, where's the party? Let's get some booze in our system. Let's get some right. weed going. Right. Uh, and I never chased skirt on the road. Hmm. And so that's kind of the deal. It's like also she's so – every time I meet a girl, I'm kind of like, uh, what – What's the end game here? Am I going to sleep with this woman and it's disappointing and she's not as hot as Kate and she's not as cool and that type of thing? Right. So it's really not that hard. I will say that a little while ago I was in like, I think it was Edmonton, Canada. And then there was another club also. But Edmonton, Canada, there's this really cool girl. She's a waitress. And she was like a little younger than me, but still, you know, not like 20 something or whatever. And... She was really cool. She was really beautiful, mm-hmm. and she reminded me of an ex-girlfriend that I had before Kate. And that was the first time that I was like, all right, I get it. I get why guys are like, all right, here's something new. Here's something different. Here's something that reminds me of something like that. But no, I don't think I, don't think I would ever – the other cool thing about Kate is like if I was – let's say that night mm-hmm. was like Friday night, and I was staying through Sunday – if I met that girl and we talked and something, 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 I could call Kate and be like, I met this girl. There's kind of something there. Right. I'd like to maybe sleep with her. I think that would sort Your of wife be would let you do that? It. No, I would have the conversation with her. You would have. That's, that's well, you're a good husband. And she, no, yeah. but also, what a wife that she wouldn't what be What if like, she came to you, up, though, da-da-da-da. and asked you about, hey, I want to be with this man? We would have a conversation. You think that's something you would ever let your wife do? Um... If it was you, yeah, because I feel like after she slept with you, she would be like, "She said, I heard, I heard your if wife you can see a- is pulling the collar." Yikes! I heard TJ's it's wife so hot in here with steam coming out. I heard wife uh, TJ's that was wife. The worst shit I've ever had. <laughs> TJ's wife, if she has a fetish for bald Jewish guys, then I'm her type. There's no question about that. I don't think that you're that <laughs> Jewish. I- I, well, I haven't seen the top of your head, but I've seen the bottom of your scrotum, and yikes. I grow hair in all the wrong places, I TJ. Know, you got this yeah. upside down. Yeah. you got to ask your Jewish God to do a reversal of fortune. I do. You're now, right. My, listen, my father's bald, my uncle's bald. You can make it work for you. I try to make it work for me. I do I the best. So. I do the Are best. You married? I, can. Do you have a, I am a not. Person I was engaged a to an Asian woman at one time. Is that true? I was Cambodian girl. Lives. Oh you lived in L.A. God, I hate so L.A. Funny. Can I ask you about L.A.? I hate Los Angeles. Okay, let's talk we about. Li- that. We live in Manhattan, so we live. I in love New York. York. Yeah, yeah, okay. it's great. Can you uh, tell me if you agree or not with this? Uh, I think L.A. people they're very fake. They're very phony. I feel like New York people they're in your face. F you. This is who I am. If you don't like it, go f yourself. I feel like people in L.A. And I'm, listen, I'm generalizing. There are a lot of great people in L.A. too, but I feel like people in LA or please phony. introduce me to them <laughs> and people in new york are uh, just more real in your face type yeah, people right sure. do you and agree not they used to have this like um stereotype of new york we're like i'm walking here yeah go up yourself da, 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 da. 
And that's just not the case anymore. Like since right. September 11th and now after the pandemic, sure. it's like people are all really nice. They help tourists. Everybody's nice to each other. I almost never have somebody in New York yell at me. And if they do, often I'm like, you're right. Yeah, that was on me. <laughs> Yikes. Sorry. I was I was sitting on your car at a stoplight as, and you were waiting to go. I, I, that, that's an appropriate honk. Um <laughs> But no, I just I thought that Los Angeles. I I hated the city. It wasn't as much the people. Now when I go back, the people irritate me more. But also, we live in a place called Hollywood Heights, where it's no one is in the entertainment industry that that lives in our like neighborhood, right. mm-hmm. and um, and so if you can stay away from that. But like, yeah, as I go there more, it's like even people that are great friends of mine. Kate and I was talking about it. It's like they've been swallowed into the. I feel in some ways that, and it's not bad, but I feel in some ways that Pete Holmes is sort of swallowed into um, Los Angeles, or maybe Kumail has been swallowed into Los Angeles, and they've been very successful, right. in fact, in part because of it. But I think once you get swallowed by it, you can never go back. You right. can't really, and it's it's an age thing. Yeah. You know, I think if you're in your early 30s, then you can go. All right, I'm going to move to somewhere else. If you're in your mid 40s, yeah. You're just going to go and start over in New York. There's very right. few people that can do that. Um, but that's okay. It's just not a life that we wanted. Like, we don't care sure. about having a pool. Right. When we were in Los Angeles, we never went to the beach. Right. You know, we lived in Hollywood, mm-hmm. which is a lot like the Hollywood Casino, <laughs> except it still exists. And, you know, I, I think that. Um, New York is just it suits our speed a lot more, and I never understand. There's so much traffic in Los Angeles, and people like awful. Yeah, I hear about the traffic. No, it is awful, terrible. And I go to other cities like Atlanta and Denver, right here, and they're like, "Oh, the traffic is so awful." I'm like, "Please, there's no traffic spend here." Spend three days. Yeah, it's terrible. Three days in Los Angeles. People are rude. So is that, and we just never wanted to go to the beach. So there's nothing there yeah. for us really. And New York is just nonstop. I feel really calm when I'm in New York, and mm-hmm. other people say, "Oh, you know." Well, that's not really the case, whatever, with – and I'm like, yeah. it is, though. It yeah. is sort of the case that uh, New York is calming. We just – we move that speed. That's kind yeah, of – I, I love that. So one of the reasons why I got into radio, guy New York, Howard Stern, right? Uh, that's why sure. I got into radio. So for you, I'm sure you get this question a lot. People that you Steve looked Martin. up to. Steve Martin. That's the, your guy. Yeah, I think he was the main dude. And then – much later, but definitely, and I liked Nick Swardson. Mm-hmm. There are other. I thought Ellen when I when I did Ellen. I've been a dead Ellen a bunch of times, and I would always talk to her about her stand up because I thought brilliant. She was one of the best, yep. and she really was so funny. And then I liked the Far Side a lot. That's kind of a weird one to mm-hmm. cite as an influence. And then the greatest stand-up of all time, in my opinion, is Norm Macdonald. Oh, wasn't and he I, the best? I think Chappelle's oh. incredible. I think Bill Burr's incredible. But I think for my money right now, the greatest living stand-up comedian is probably Louis C.K. He's the best. Um, but I think Norm Macdonald so far has been the best. Those more, are my favorites, It's too. more me, too. I could see that. Yeah, I, I love I Norm. I love Norm. Those guys. I saw Norm uh, Tiger versus Phil, the golf tournament here, and Norm was on the golf course. And, wow. and I'm, I'm hanging out with him. I said, how is Artie Lang still alive? And we were talking about Artie a little yeah. bit. Such a great guy and yeah. brilliant comic, yeah. right? I mean, I'm so and I listen. And I only, love Louis. He's King. a nihilist, and yep. so I yep. and I am also a nihilist. And he just was doing really important work. I thought philosophically, yeah. Norm Macdonald mm-hmm. was really something. And then Louis, I saw his last special. Sorry, I saw him film that at yeah. the Hulu Theater, and. 
I just haven't laughed much harder than that. Dave Attell is somebody where I just cannot stop laughing. But it was so great. And then I saw him. We did a show together, Louie, and I said, um, oh, man, I saw your special at taping on, you know, uh, at the Hooli Theater. He was like, what, what night did you go to? And I was like, uh, well, I was going to go to the Friday, but I couldn't because we got hacked. And so they tried to steal our cryptocurrency. <laughs> and good luck. And so I said, um, I said, uh, no. So I saw Saturday late show, I think. He was like, there's only one show, but you saw Saturday? And I go, yeah. And this is such a funny comic thing to say. He goes, he goes yeah, I'm glad you saw Saturday because Friday, that was a very different audience. That was a very different show. So I can only imagine because that's yeah. all his money. I think, <laughs> but um, I can only imagine how scary it would be to have Friday. Who theater seats thousands and thousands and thousands of right. people? And I can only imagine um, how scary it would be to have Friday go terribly, and then have Saturday go perfectly. I mean, I think he was really, I, really happy with Saturday. I uh, tell me if I'm in the wrong here. I, I was about to do a special. But I have four shows. I have two nights, but four shows. So I get tonight. two more cracks at making it happen. And you got two shows tonight. Tonight, that was that's a great right. job. Look at him go in. You that's, see that? That's radio. That was professional. I almost, <laughs> I almost, I almost used the F word. You said, Can you, "Are you able to dump stuff?" Or no, no. Uh, those okay. the two shows tonight well, at Wise Guys Comedy yourself, Club. All right, <laughs> two shows tonight. Right there, and, you mother. All right, <laughs> two shows tonight at you Wise Guys Comedy my, Club. Tomorrow, you could say suck, right? Of you course, suck mine. <laughs> you could say that. Yes, I was once kicked out of an Andrew Dice Clay show. Actually, he kicked me really out of what, the show. for golfing. No, not for golfing. Let me ask you a question. Hey, so quiet down over there. <laughs> yeah, quiet down. I've seen the way you deal with hecklers sometimes, and you're fantastic, and I love it. Thank I you. I don't heckle people. Okay, Andrew Dice Clay asked me a question. This was at the Riviera. I was dressed in a fedora. I was on a date, and he says to me. What do you think they Two things would, that are antithetical. Yeah, that. exactly. He says to me, what do you think they would say if a guy like you and a guy like me walked into a club? So I answered him. I said, they would say, why did you go with your grandpa? Right? I'm just making a joke. Wow, so everybody that's laughs. pretty good, So dude. everybody laughs, right? They, were, it wasn't malicious. I love Dice. And then he says, you think you're pretty effing funny, huh? Let me tell you something. I'm the best. And then I said... If you were the best, you wouldn't be at the Riviera in front of 200 people. And every Now, that was probably when a little was mean. This? this was probably like six or seven years ago. Wow. Um, so he says, how much did you pay for those effing tickets? And I told him the truth. I'm a radio guy. I got a couple comp tickets. I said, nothing. I got it for free. He said, good. Then get the F out of my show. So the best part is the security guard is escorting me out. I thought it was a gag because it wasn't malicious, you know, but he kicked me out for real. My The girl I'm with is still sitting there. And, and as I'm walking out, he goes... Good, now I got you all myself. And he starts talking to the girl that I was with dating. Um, We actually spoke a couple years later at a Tom Green show at the Hard Rock. I saw Dice. He remembered me, and he's like, oh, I was just busting balls. you know." But, like, do you think I was in the wrong? Well, he's such a good dude. I I know him from New York. Yeah. Um, No, the joke, well, with the joke. The why'd you walk in with your grandpa? Yeah, just smart ass. But um, I'm the best, because that's his shtick, remember? True. Um, to say if you were the best, you wouldn't be at the Riviera. <laughs> Probably a little mean. People. Well, not only is it mean, somehow it also shows what an idiot you are. <laughs> I like, am an why idiot. Why are you in a fedora? That's true. Bringing a date to the Riviera <laughs> to see this guy that you apparently think you're funnier than? It's like. I'm definitely not. I think both of you guys really got it on that one. I think you're. Yeah, that's I'd, a good point. I, I wouldn't have kicked you out because I would have had stuff to say about it. And I would have loved it. I would have loved it. I know that's the problem with hecklers. I but I'm not an like I like it. Listen, I, I would love. N- he's like I'm not a heckler. You just no, told not. a story about heckling. Well, 
if you ask me a question, am well, I supposed you, to not you, answer? <laughs> no, you could have been like, all right, you could have been like, what would you say if then you would say, you know, I, you could have said the grandpa thing. But he, if he says, uh, look, I'm the best, it's a heckle. That's fair. He didn't ask you a question. That's fair. He wasn't like, don't you think I'm the best? <laughs> Tell me what you think about this venue and the amount of audience members there are here. So I really shut That's you down fair. there, buddy. That's fair, but I can tell you I would the love... Problem, yeah. The problem with hecklers yeah. is that they love it. They love being made fun of and being the center of attention. And they don't care that they're disrupting the show. True. I would never want to do that. I ask a lot of I ask a lot of questions, and I appreciate when people. And then when people yell stuff, I I can really handle it. Yeah. But then that sucks because it teaches them like, oh, if we yell stuff out at, at a comedian, yeah. then they'll be able to come back at them. And that's just not the I'm case. I'm not that guy. I mean, like Annie Letterman. <laughs> Did she have anybody heckle her? Is she good at handling that stuff? Steve Hofstetter. Do you know? He, he's She's good. Yeah, he's good. Hofstetter's too. the best. He came on last week. Uh, Hofstetter's oh, really? so great. He's I have him. On, he's, he, I love talking politics with him. live in Vegas? No, uh, but uh, I have him on all the time because he's a very political person. Oh, really? uh, Did he call in? Yeah, yeah. He calls oh, in all yeah. the time. I, I, I see, he comes down here and he performs here once in a while. I think he where is he? I don't remember what club he's at, but I'm not going to promote another club right now. But anyway, yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah I won't do that. So, TJ, um, for someone that has never seen your act before, which I've seen a million times, yes, and it's fantastic. they should come to the show tonight. Let's talk tonight. about that. Yes. Two shows tonight, almost sold out, actually, now that we just looked at those. Only a couple few tickets left, and then Saturday is the real deal night. So, get your tickets Ooh, to that. Okay. ASAP. And have we sold any tickets while I've been on here? No? Okay. Not yet. Hey, you know what? I'm not going to be like on the said best. Yes. I'm not. I'm never going to be like on the best because if I was the best, I wouldn't be at this strip mall radio station. It was the push-ups talking to a heckler. <laughs> That's true about Asian women. <laughs> That's true. TJ, I mean this sincerely, man. You are one of the best. Uh, I've always loved your stand-up, uh, and uh, your movies are fantastic. Thank uh, you. Honestly, I'm a big fan. I will certainly be there this weekend. And yeah, please do. Come on Saturday, I would man. love to. And I would say what's up. To. Let's get a beer or something afterwards. I would love Burn to do one that. down. It's, it's legal in I Vegas. might hold you to that. I might yeah. hold you to that. Dude, I'm uh, into it. You, you know, know Asa? <laughs> Soon-to-be famous radio personality and manager of Wise Guys Las Vegas. Say hello, Asa. Say, say hello. Hello. Asa. There you go. You do a That's great job. That's his radio debut. You do, a, you do a great job over there. We're all going to go to Circus Circus for a beer on Saturday night. Yeah, That's after the do. shows, we're going to go. No, maybe not beers. Maybe we just play hoop shoot. That's fair. Or knock the bottles down. I'm a pretty good. Or my have, favorite, pennies in the plate. That's also my favorite as well. Yeah, uh, they give you a discount if you bring your own pennies. Oh. I, I don't like know if that. you heard this, but I lost $75,000. In one year, playing carnival games alone. Are you serious? Yeah, it was awful. That's why Kate. That sounds like a degenerate carnival problem. Yeah, I don't have a lot of money left, but <laughs> you know, it was good. It's like again, they 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 bring your uh, they give you a discount if you bring your own pennies to Penny Plate, <laughs> and then the milk bottle thing. I just don't know how. And I would win. I ha- I have several warehouses full. Of large gorillas and Pokemon and Pikachu. Do you really gamble? Do you gamble? Oh, yeah. On carnival games. You better believe it. Like in it. Vegas, like do you play blackjack or slots? Oh, you know what? I play craps only. I love craps. That's don't or pass. What? The don't or pass line or the pass line? The pass line. Well, I don't know. I'm just asking you. Well, who plays the don't pass line? If the table's cold, you wouldn't play the don't? No. You're looking at me like I'm pra- crazy. That's the wrong, that's the wrong thing. <laughs> that's the wrong <laughs> point of craps. About? The whole point of craps... <laughs> 
This is why I'm fine losing money. Is that everyone is on a team against the casino. So if you're playing the don't pass, everyone just hates you. I don't know why you would allow yourself to be in a situation where you have six strangers being like this guy. <laughs> because I, I like to be happy. I would kill him and Rick is, I would kill him and rip his Can I say? Yeah. Uh, you can say penis. You can say that. I rip his penis off and hand it to my friend By Richard, the way, I, who would, we call him Dick. I once had Bob Sagan on the late Bob Sagan on the show, and he yeah, said, "Can I say Robert. penis?" I said, "I'm not sure." And he said, "Can I say sick penis?" That was a very funny uh, sick penis. So what we've learned is when TJ's playing craps, I will 100 percent play the don't yeah. Pass. So you play 100 percent. You play the pass just line. to piss him off. You play the pass line. There's only three bets. You play the pass line, the six and the eight, and the rest of it is just for fun. And you can press the six and eight. You play odds when it yeah. makes sense. What's the over under on how much money TJ's lost so far playing craps in Las Vegas? I haven't played yet, oh, and okay. I haven't drank at all. And I think it would be funny if I do Saturday a, totally, night. a Cali sober um, Vegas. Yeah. So I'll smoke a little, especially because it's the first time I've been here where it's straight up legal. Yes, like it you is. Just smoke a joint. There's a lot that's street, legal. Girls direct to your room as well. That's is that legal? legal? No, it's actually not legal. 45 minutes. <laughs> 45. Forty-five minutes oh from God. here, it is. Uh, yeah, that's right. Bunny, I just know somebody ranch, told me that right? it's like four, where Lamar Odom almost died. Yeah. Oh my God. It's like forty-five minutes from here. I got to hear about that some other time. What, uh, when would you? When are you going to do a gig over there? Um, at the Bunny Ranch. Yeah. I think you know if the money was right. My buddy is friends with and kind of represents Bob Zamuda. Okay. And he has like a, a room at the Bunny Ranch. Does he really? Yeah. So he lives there part of the year, and then he lives in Thailand part of the year. I think Speaking of, of uh, prostitution, no, yeah, really, kind and of popular. Then, um, yeah. But I, yeah, I think I'm going to play some craps. I'll smoke, but I think I'm not going to drink this weekend. Okay. And um, I just I love craps because when when you're winning, everybody's winning, and so it's this amazing thing where you're high fiving people you don't know. There's an elderly Chinese man. <laughs> this like black guy with dreadlocks <laughs> is hugging you. There's an elderly woman that you're <laughs> teaching how to fist bump. Like it's it's just amazing, and then when you lose, everybody loses. So you're all on the same page. Unless you're playing the don't. No, because then if we win, you lose. That's true. I can't believe this guy plays the don't pass. Sometimes when it's cold, are you a good shooter? I'm getting off this radio station. <laughs> ASAP. Are you good at throwing a hard eight? Okay, that was a horrible. Joke. No, I do. I got to tell you, I get. I am a good shooter. Well, and then I, I'll, uh, I'll have to see this in person. And my buddy's a gambling guy, too, so he's yeah. going to play well, some well, craps. What's, mi- where, what's your casino? Where do you go to play? Because uh, I don't much, play on the strip, really. I play downtown. I, I try to, me, too. Me, too. Uh, believe it or not, Four Queens uh, is a good one. Uh, is it? Circa's a good new casino downtown. Derek Stevens on that. It's the new big casino downtown with like the biggest sports book in the world. They have tons of craps tables there. Because what I'm always looking for is a $10 table. Yeah, you'll and find so a $10 I'm, table. Where, I, where, where I'm staying, it's a $25 table. I'm like, I don't have that kind of money to burn because you got to be able to walk to a craps table with 150 bucks maybe if you're excited yeah 250 so buy in i buy in you you have to be able to ride that wave so that you can walk when you have money and you can't you know 25 bucks you lose max odds is like 120 you lose like 10 times like that's true your whole wallet there's your so you only buy in you're tj miller you only buy in for like 200 dollars when you gamble that's why i'm good at craps do you believe that? You believe he only buys in for two hundred dollars? I buy in for more than that. I'm some stupid radio AM talk show host. That's in Las the Vegas. reason you're a stupid AM that's true. radio that's talk true. show. Host. That's pr- that's a good point. Very valid. All right, and that's me. You're Andrew Dice Clay on that one, and I'm you. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's like, and that's very fair. TJ Miller tonight uh, and tomorrow night, two shows at Wise Guys Comedy Club. This guy's the best. TJ, thank you so much for being here. Thank You're one of my you. favorites. Listen, let's, uh, let's hang out this weekend. I would love to do that, TJ. Everybody should come. Get your tickets yes. right away All right. because tonight's sell out awfully soon. All right. TJ, thanks for being here. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. Uh, I got to say, I've been doing radio for 20 years. That was one of my more enjoyable interviews with uh, the man himself, T.J. Miller. You know, my apologies. We've been trying to get in touch with uh, Don Logan. We ran a little late there in that last segment with the Aviators, but uh, we'll catch Don next week. Uh, My apologies there to Don Logan. Please check out, you know, I didn't really, he didn't even really get me an opportunity to plug the shows because he kept talking, which is, which is fun. I uh, love TJ, but uh, he, let me just plug them now. TJ Miller, comedian, actor extraordinaire, great, funny stand-up comedy routine. He's going to be at this place called Wise Guys Comedy Club tonight and tomorrow. I believe there's two shows, 7 and 9.30, both tonight and tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. There are still some tickets available, but it's almost sold out. Um, so please get your tickets. While they're available, I will absolutely be there this weekend, and I'm probably going to play craps with TJ, but it doesn't sound to me like he wants me to play the don't pass line, but uh, that was fun, man. That was a fun interview. Uh, TJ's a funny guy. Good dude. And that was uh, a lot of fun, man. And I got to say, sometimes in radio, you get to meet some people that you like, and then when you meet them in person and they are, they're really cool and funny, it makes it even better. He's a really funny guy, uh, but he's also a good dude. You know, it's so weird in Hollywood, right? You hear people say certain things about people. Sometimes they're true. Sometimes they're not true. But until you actually meet that person, you don't know. Listen, I've met some people and they've been absolute jerks, right? I met Robert De Niro once. I mean, I, I did an interview with one of the best actors to ever live. And I love Robert De Niro. But when I met him, he was a jerk. He was a jerk. I met William Shatner. He was a jerk. You know, I mean, you meet some people, and I don't know why I'm comparing William Shatter to Robert De Niro, but, but anyway, all I'm saying is sometimes you meet certain people. I've met some musicians in my life that I've admired over the years, and then you meet them, and they, and you, and they end up being great. You know, really good people. I met, you know, Scott Stapp from Creed uh, years back, and, uh, you know, you hear all about somebody's drug problems or issues, and then I meet the guy, and I'm like, what a great guy. You know, he just wants to help people and raise money for charity and his lovely wife, and it's just like, you know... All I'm saying is you never know with people. You hear rumors and Hollywood rumors and TMZ stuff, but you never actually know how cool somebody is or, or what a nice or not nice person they are until you actually meet them and spend time around them. You know, I mean, listen, I met Paulie Shore a few weeks ago and he couldn't have been nicer. He was just such a nice guy and, and he's, a, you know, I mean, again, I have plenty of stories of people that I've met over the years that I'll never forget. I remember I met Don Rickles backstage a year before he died at the Orleans, and I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. You know, and and TJ uh, mentioned Norm Macdonald. I was so lucky to meet Norm Macdonald, and I was able to hang out with him for about a half an hour. Or so we were watching golf, we were watching the Tiger Phil match, and and I'm walking with Norm, and he's got a beer in his hand, and he's a little drunk, and we're just talking. We're not. I'm not talking like a fanboy. We're just talking about random stuff, kind of like me and TJ. You know, we're we're just talking about random stuff, gambling, drinking, and Norm Macdonald, the late Norm Macdonald, the nicest guy in the world. Um, and I and I'm uh, privileged that I even met the guy. You know, and uh, that's the great thing about living in Las Vegas. You know, these guys come through, and you get to meet certain people. You know, working in the radio business, and I, and I certainly will never 
ever take that for granted. I never, ever will take that for granted, ever. And um, that was fun. That, that was a fun interview with TJ. I don't know. How long did we go there? That was like, I felt like an hour. It was a long interview. That was a long time, but he was very generous with his time. Um, anyway, appreciate TJ Miller. Also, uh, Joe Groman, a longtime uh, family friend to uh, the Woods family, Tiger Woods. Uh, appreciated that. That was fun as well, uh, talking about Tiger Woods and, and um the relationship he's had with Tiger over the years. Got to check some scores uh, when I get off the air here myself and see how Tiger's doing. I have absolutely no idea. But uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that as well. Seven over par? Oh, two over par. You put up two hands. I was like, seven over Numchuck? No, he's two over par for the tournament. Through 11, he's, he's for the tournament, he's two over. Okay, so he's still right there within the cut line. Good for Tiger. That means he's, I believe that means he's three over for the day. So uh, we'll continue to, uh, on Monday, we're going to talk some golf. Obviously, they're going to give somebody the green jacket. So we will certainly cover that. Thanks for joining us, everybody. My thanks to TJ Miller and Joe Groman. I hope everybody has a fantastic weekend, and we will catch you on Monday, and there's going to be a lot to talk about. Maybe a TJ Miller drunken story out on the strip. I don't know. That might happen. So anyway, we'll see you Monday, everybody. Have a great day.